Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. In the name of our risen Lord, who died that we may live, and now lives that we may never die, dear friends in Christ. There was once a young man in a small town in Connecticut who inherited $10 million from a long-lost great-uncle. It turns out that he was the last surviving next of kin and stood to inherit this vast fortune that he knew nothing about until the executor of the, his great-uncle's will called to him and informed him of this wonderful news. Quickly, the town's newspapers from a, from a hundred miles around picked it up and sent reporters to go get the story. On the day that this young man was set to receive the generous inheritance, he walked into the banker's office with a bright smile on his face. His feet barely touched the floor. He was so happy. The crowd of journalists stood outside with their notepads, waiting to catch the man's joyous reaction after the paper had been signed and he had officially become a millionaire. Instead of the happy scene they had imagined would take place upon completion of this transaction, their door opened and the young man exited the room with a look of frustration. As he angrily slumped into the chair that had been set up for him in his post-inheritance interview, the reporters didn't understand what they were seeing. Well, how'd it go in there? Did you get the money or not? The young man glowered at the reporters. Yeah, I got the money. Well, why the long face then? You're rich. Yeah, he said, but I got a paper cut signing the dumb paper. I can tell what you're thinking. How ridiculous. This man had a huge pile of riches fall from the sky, and here he was worrying about a paper cut. If I ever was so fortunate as to have an absurdly, absurdly rich distant relative leave everything to me, I would never let something like a paper cut ruin that day. But as we stand here Easter morning, you do stand to inherit riches far more precious and valuable than any sum of money. Because of the empty tomb, you stand to inherit eternal life. But how often do we let this blessed truth be overshadowed by the inconsequential and fleeting cares of this life? And so, to remind us of the riches that are promised to you in the gospel of Christ, our sermon theme today comes in the form of an encouragement. Jesus is risen. Act like it. Act like he will keep his word. Act like nothing can stand in his way. And act like you've heard great news.
May the Spirit rejuvenate us this blessed Easter morning to live our lives in the confident joy of our Savior's resurrection. Our sermon text is the familiar account of the woman at the tomb very early on Easter morning. Reading again from verse 1, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, we read that after his crucifixion, Jesus was laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Because he was put to death on Friday, the friends of Jesus had to hurry in getting him buried before the Sabbath began and they could do no work. In preparation for this morning, we also read in Luke that the woman returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. It stands to reason that the women, women came to the tomb expecting to find a body, which makes sense. They saw their Lord nailed to a tree. They saw him give up his spirit. They helped take the body down and they helped lay it in the tomb. It made sense that they would come expecting to finish the burial of Jesus' corpse. Except that Jesus had predicted his own death and resurrections many times already in his ministry. After the feeding of the 5,000, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and the third day be raised. Then both before and after Christ's transfiguration, he said, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him and the third day he will be raised up. Then as they came to Jerusalem for the events of Holy Week, Jesus said, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. When Mary of Bethany anointed Jesus' feet with fragrant oil, he said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. When the Jews asked for a sign that he was the Messiah, he instructed them to destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Speaking, we're told, of the temple of his body. When the Pharisees asked for a sign, he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And finally, just before his Gethsemane prayer, Jesus said to his disciples, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus did not mince words. There should never have been any confusion about what was to take place. But we read in Luke 9 that they did not understand the saying, and it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Jesus said in John 14, 29, And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. But because they didn't understand what Jesus taught them again and again and again concerning his death and resurrection, on the first Easter morning, the 12 disciples were hiding in fear and the women showed up 
to the tomb with spices to finish embalming his cold, dead body. They were not yet acting like Jesus was risen, were they? They didn't know. But you know, don't you? You have read and believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You have read and the Holy Spirit has ingrained on your heart the truth that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. You have seen and heard the gospel truth that because Jesus lives, you will live also. So why do we keep carrying our spices to the tomb? Why do we keep acting like Jesus is still dead? When we sin against God, we think to ourselves, God can't, can, can't forgive my sins. They are too big. God died for all those other people, but not for me. Why do we cower in our own upper rooms? Hoping that people don't find out that we are disciples of Jesus. Jesus is risen. Act like it. Act like he kept his word to the disciples, to the women, to the crowds, and to you that he did indeed die and he, he was indeed raised. Sin is dead. Death is slain. The empty tomb declares it to you in no uncertain terms. Jesus was, according to Romans 4.25, delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Act like Jesus will continue to keep his word to you. Never casting out those who come to him, taking on your heavy burdens to give you rest, and that he is with you always, even to the end of the world. And act like nothing can get in his way. Verses 3 to 6 of our text, And they said to themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. They had seen Jesus heal the sick, restore the infirm, even raise others from the dead. And here the women were worried about a rock, as though that could keep him in the ground and keep their Lord away from them. Instead, they found the stone rolled away. They heard the message of the angel. He is not here. He is risen. And they saw the place where just a few days ago they had laid their Savior's breathless clay. What did they expect? That a stone was going to keep Jesus away? That death itself was going to keep Jesus away? What are the rocks in your life? Who or what do you think is going to separate you from the love of God in Christ, His all-powerful help in this life, and the promise of eternal life in His name? Whatever you think stands in the way, Paul says, no. In Romans 8, 38 to 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you think can stand in the way of his gospel as he proclaims it to us, through us, his chosen messengers? Thus says the Lord, 
so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. As a result of, as a result of this sure promise and Christ's sure triumph over death and hell, you can act like you have good news to share, because you do. You have the best news. Just like the women had, reading from verse 7, when the angel commanded them, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The angels commanded them to first bring the news to the disciples. That's why it says that they said nothing to anyone. But once they had brought the news to the twelve, and after Jesus had appeared to them all, risen in the flesh, you can bet they did not stop talking about what had taken place. For better and far more important than hearing that cancer is in remission, a death sentence has been pardoned, or a vast inheritance has been won, is the news that Jesus lives. Because Jesus rose from the dead and is alive to this day, the cancer of sin has been completely removed from us. The eternal death sentence that our sins warrant has been revoked. And we have an abundant, everlasting inheritance that cannot ever be taken away from the one who trusts in Christ. You wouldn't know that this is the most important news that anyone could ever hear based on the reaction you get when you share it. But don't let the priceless gospel be cheapened by those who devalue it. By nature, it is foolishness and the stumbling block to us. Even still, the knowledge that the tomb is empty and that our Savior has won salvation for all who believe on him is the greatest news in human history. Keep preaching it. Keep witnessing to everyone around you in your words and actions. Keep trusting that the Spirit works powerfully through His means of grace to bring sinners to salvation. Just as He has brought you to know and believe that Jesus lives, so that even when you sleep in death, you will never die. 1 Thessalonians 4 For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. We Lutherans, among other Christian denominations I would assume, have the Easter tradition of saying, He is risen. To which someone will reply, He is risen indeed. We comfort one another with these words. Don't take them lightly. And don't let these words fade away tomorrow. May the knowledge that our Lord lives and reigns in eternity as our conquering King echo through every day of our lives. May the, may the joy and hope of Easter color every thought we have, every word we speak, every action we take to the glory of the Father and of Christ, his Son. Jesus is risen. 
Act like it. Act like you will keep his word. Just as he fulfilled the promise to rise from the grave, so will he keep all of his promises of grace and forgiveness to you. Act like nothing can stand in his way. You can believe that the trials and hardships you face now are but for a brief time here on earth. And that the gospel will shine through the darkness to point us to eternal day. And act like you've heard great news. You have. So share that news with others. Confident that the Spirit will plant those seeds of faith. And bring all to those he has called to the blessed joy that is yours and mine this day and every day. As, as the hymnist writes, which we will sing in a few moments, Christ is living, gone with sorrow. Tears and terror be no more. Death and grave, you now are nothing. Christ is free of every power. Why then seek the living Savior in the haunts of death and fear? Christ is risen. Shout the good news so that all the world may hear. In Jesus' name, amen.